Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, you guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Temple of Hoop. We are coming one day later, enjoying the long weekend. Um, hopefully, you guys are being safe with the firecrackers. It was kind of crazy in my uh, neighborhood. <laughs> Can't take it like they, they ain't got no sense. And I'm also not 100% sure that all that was firecrackers. Um, I'm your co-host, Coach Mables, a.k.a. J. Mabes here. Kings, as always. Kings, what's going on with you, man? Uh, man, it's going good. Getting to had an errands work for the fourth, and then you have a holiday, but you know, it's fine, it's fine. It is what Move. it is. Man. It's, uh, I think it's probably the longest break of basketball with the shortened season we've had. So, finally, after uh, you know, three day got the three day break, NBA finals are here. Um, first of all, if you're listening, shout out to you if you had Phoenix Milwaukee on your bingo card, uh, before the season started. Uh, I, 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 had half, I had half of them. You did, you did, you did. Kings had Milwaukee. Um, but we're here. Uh, despite the, you know, I think they tried to press Devin Booker in the uh, pregame media, the, the pre-finals media, about the injuries. He said, uh, we're not here to justify, you know, how we got here. We're here to win. I respected that response. Man. Hey man, what's what's the what? Why does the media ask? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I swear, I swear you'll never hear that question at NFL media, in NFL media day, bro. Like before a Super Bowl game, you'll never hear that question. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah, so that was uh, you know, again, funny. We I think we find out this the more we get deeper into this, like on this side of it, you know, how seeing how the media operate is kind of crazy. Actually, how much non-sports stuff is involved. <laughs> man, <laughs> so shoot. um. Yeah, let's 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 break this down, man. We get we hitting right into it. Um, who you got? How many games? And uh, you know who's your finals MVP? We know that's always going to be a fun discussion. So uh, I'll let you go. I know a lot of this is depending on you know Giannis's availability. Uh, quick, I just saw before we actually started recording. I got the ESPN and Bleacher Report um, notification. Uh, yeah, he worked out in front of a group of decision makers on the Bucks and. Um, they said improvement is happening. He's still kind of he's still doubtful for game one. So that's putting that out there before you go. Yeah, you know, without Giannis, it's going to be tough for for uh, Milwaukee, especially going on the road. Um, I think for them, they're going to really try and press to steal one of these games. Um, if they could steal one of games one and two, uh, that's going to put less pressure on on Giannis to come back. Um, you know, if, if they don't win any of the first two games, I could see Giannis then pushing to come back game uh, three. If they go down 1-0, he'll definitely try to force his way back game two. I mean, he's been trying to force his way back, according to what people have been saying. But um, right. if they split 1-1, one, one, I definitely see them withholding him from game three. If they go down 2-1, then he will make his return game four. So I think 
they really want to win one of these first two games to be able to have Giannis uh, rest as much as possible. I think um, it's kind of like what the Clippers were trying to do when I thought Kawhi was going to try and make a return. Like you want to be able to win one of the first two to give your star some time to, to recover. So I think that's going to be Milwaukee's mindset. How do we steal one of these two games? Yeah, so, I'll, you know, I'm I'm with you there. I'm, I'm, I, it honestly hinges, like, if, if Giannis can play, I just I honestly, I, I feel like Milwaukee just has a better basketball team with Giannis there. The, the thing that yeah, crushes me yeah. is, you know, I tried to pack me up. You know, I was talking about how Chris Middleton played on the road. Then he had the two best road games in the playoffs back-to-back. Right. So, but even with those two games, it brought his shooting percentage up to just at 40% and then 30% from three. Like, so he's been struggling on the road in the playoffs. It's trending the right way, but you know, that does worry me. Um, not to knock what he did, but it's a difference when you're going against, you know, non-defenders at the wing spot because DeAndre and Cam were out majority of the series. And now you're going right. against Michael, you know, and Jay Crowder and guys like that who are going to be hounding you, especially if Giannis isn't playing. So that's something I'm looking forward uh, without Giannis, is Chris Milton able to keep uh, putting up these great games on the road? That's something I'm definitely uh, – that's a key moment for me. It's just – it all hinges on Giannis for me. Like, if Giannis plays, I'm going to pick Milwaukee. If he doesn't, I'm, I'm going to lean Phoenix, man. I just I, – I don't see Phoenix – I don't see Phoenix losing this series without having to deal with Giannis. I just I, – it's hard for me to see that. I mean, if I'm proven wrong, you know, great. I'm sure that means Middleton play out of his mind, which he's prone to do every now and then on the road. So that that's kind of where I am with that. So picks wise, where are you leaning right now? Yes, yeah, <laughs> I'm under mindset. Giannis will play significant time this series. Uh, man, I just have to take the Bucks in seven again. Um, I think they're gonna push Phoenix. Uh, they're gonna challenge them in a long series because Phoenix hasn't really been. I mean, they've been in long series with the Lakers and, and the Clippers. They went that went six, but um, they kind of always had the uh, talent advantage in all of those series. So them getting pushed was, um, you know, they were winning the attrition battle because they have more bodies, they have more talent that they could use. But if Giannis comes back right and he's able to play, then they don't have the talent advantage if this goes on. Right. Not, the, the the Bucks are gonna have the talent advantage, and it's you're then you're gonna start to see you know how does Phoenix respond when they're in the pressure cooker and the other team is just as good as them talent wise, or if not better in this scenario. So that's gonna be the key because I think the I think for Phoenix for them to win the series, I really think it has to be quick. Like in my opinion, I think they need to win in five games, maybe six at most. But they can I don't think Phoenix can let this get to seven games. So uh, if they get to seven games or six, six to seven games, I think Milwaukee will win. So you think a longer series favors the Bucks? I think it favors Bucks because one, you're, uh, you know, you're getting Giannis more time to get acclimated to playing with whatever he has to play through, or you know, maybe if, you know if he can't get any worse playing on it, he might get better physically. You know, what I mean, playing through it, getting adjusted to it, and then like I said, you know, uh, Phoenix, you know, they're just not used to they haven't been challenged in terms of playing a deep series with the talent being equal 
at, at the minimum. So they ha- they've had the time advantage in the long series with the Lakers when it went six, with the Clippers when it went six. They had the time advantage in both of those series. And then Nuggets was obviously a sweep. So it's going to be – it will be a challenge for them mentally to, to know that, hey, this is a long series and that team, you know, you know, Monty, for Monty's sake, we can't just throw, you know, certain adjustments and think that they'll fold because they have everybody available on, on the other side. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You know what, what worries me? Like, let's switch into the schematics now that we got the, you know, our projections. What worries me is, you know how, you know, the Bucks pretty much just flush the game, defending Trey, how, whatever, you know what I'm saying, in, in, in that Hawk series. But they can afford that because they had the talent advantage. Um they come out, you know, experiment with that drop coverage again against Book and, and Chris Paul, it's, it's going to drive me crazy. I just think you can't just afford to punt a game like that. So I, I'm really curious how they come out and defend that pick and roll because the Bucks, they, if you look at every series, their game one, you know, standard coverage that they like to do is they have Brook in that deep drop, protect the paint, and they kind of seed that in between jumper to whoever. I think is if you do that to Suns, you're kind of just punting game one because you make it, you give him book and Chris so those so much, so many easy looks. And those are shots that they hunt for, you know, coming off screens. So that, you know, that kind of makes me nervous. I think they got to, you know, something they got to look at changing from before they I, even tip the ball off. I mean, they've done a good job in bringing Brook up more uh, like they did against Trey. Oh, yeah. But yeah. That's what they did that, did that after, like, after a game. It's like they don't, I hope they come out like that, is what I'm saying. I feel like they will because, and I feel like it was great for them to have to go through uh, Brooklyn. Honestly, you know, as much as people are concerned about the drop coverage, I think having gone through Brooklyn, having gone through Trey Young, I think they know how to play the drop in a way that will be effective. And I think uh, Bud, and he he impressed me game one of the Hawks series. I think Bud will has shown he will go to Portis if need be. If he feels like he's getting cooked too much and he starts switching, he's going to pull that out. So Bud, I think Bud kind of matured a bit in the in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, I mean, he had to coach good for them to win without Gianni. <laughs> right. you know I mean, that had to be great coaching, had to be great substitution. I think he finally started to understand how to use Brooke Lopez outside of just having him spot up all the damn time. He also figured out how to use Brooke Lopez better on the drop. He also figured out how to play Portis finally, finally figured out how to get those uh, minutes going so i i think they'll have a guy I, I i think the milwaukee will surprise people in one of the in one of these i think they'll take one of these two games yeah uh, and they, yeah and just uh yeah that's a good point like i'm just i'm i'm thinking about that just schematic wise um the matchup i'm interested in mostly you know chris paul went absolutely crazy in, in game six aside from that he really did struggle in the series so how do you see the chris paul Drew Holiday matchup. I think at this stage, um, the type of point guard Chris Paul is, I think that feeds kind of like where Drew went. Like he's not overly strong. He's not overly fast, excuse me, anymore like he used to be. He's going to try – it's more of a, you know, power, you know, survey the situation type point guard, but playing with pace. 
How do you see that match? I, I, I'm actually, I'm leaning, like, I don't know why. Drew hasn't been great either in the playoffs. He's starting to trend the right way, and so is Chris. So we'll see. Maybe we'll see both of their best. Who are you leaning towards in that, in that just, it looks like it's going to be a huge determining factor. Who are you leaning towards in that matchup between Drew and Chris? I mean, I mean, I mean Chris Paul is not going to guard Drew Holiday, first yep. of all. Okay. Um, that, nah, I think they'll put, you know, because they have Crowder, they have McHale, they have Book. I think what they'll do is they'll put Crowder on uh, Middleton and they'll put uh, McHale on Drew. Oh. And, and, you know, or flip it, you know, put McHale on uh, Middleton, put Crowder on Drew, and have Chris Paul, you know, roam on Connington or whoever's out there. You know, you know what I mean? So I, I don't think they'll put Chris Paul on Drew. I think if they do, it will be short lid because Drew will take him to the post. I think they're gonna it's gonna be a short lived. Uh, if, if he do if he does start on Drew, that's gonna be the first I think that'll be the first adjustment Monty makes. He'll take him off Drew. I, I don't expect Chris Paul to be on Drew as long as Giannis is off the off the floor. Um when Giannis comes back, then that's a different story. Yeah, right, right, right. But with Giannis off, takes Crowder or Bridges, yeah. Yeah, with, with with Giannis off though, he'll be able to have one of Crowder or Bridges on him and Middleton's. And I think he'll prefer to go that route uh, to start off. Well, that's a that's a good point. I forgot without Giannis, that probably frees up one of your, you know, better defenders to guard their other ball handlers. So I can see that happening. Um we both give him Book Lopez a hard time. We both also acknowledge he's played played well. Um, this is probably thinking back. They played Brooklyn. Or they play. This is probably his toughest center matchup of the playoffs thus far, going against Aiton. So, how how do you feel that that's going to go? The Lopez versus Aiton matchup. How how does that work out to you? Uh, man, it's gonna it's gonna. I think you know in this series we'll see how Aiton is more so um, as an ISOs type of score because um, with with Lopez in the drop, I don't think he's going to have as many dump downs. That's one thing that the Bucks defend really well. Uh, they do not give up a lot of dump downs. I mean, I think if you're watching the Hawks series, Capella wasn't really getting it. Like, you know, I mean, Capella was where to, where to be found. You know what I mean? Jason Collins, you know, John Collins, again, looked like uh, a non-max player. You know what I'm saying? Because the, the pick and roll just wasn't there for them. It was there for Trey. You know what I mean? It was there for, you know, the wings like Cam. You know what I mean? Like Bogey, like Court, like Creator. It was there for them to create and, and, and finish in between. But in terms of the, the bigs getting easy looks, that, that really wasn't there for any of them. So um, it, that's that's just what the Bucks are good at. Same thing in the Nets. The same thing with the Heat. Bam just looked terrible. Had probably one of his worst series in his short playoff stint. So the Bucks just not gonna give the Bucks are just not gonna give that easy dump down. So it's really just gonna be on Aiden for him to score in, in his one-on-ones and for the Phoenix Suns to actually look for Aiden. I think it'll be interesting because it, like I like Aiden needs Aiden's an X factor this series because you know a lot of times Phoenix doesn't purposely design plays for him. So if he's not getting the ball in the dump down, he's gonna he'll go games without touches. I mean, you saw that in, I think in the Clippers game, what was it, game four? where he was like nine shot attempts, I wouldn't be surprised if that, that type of stat line shows up for him again uh, and it becomes a Chris Paul and Devin Booker type game where they're trying to take shots over in the mid-range. So Aiden's going to be the X factor. How often they use him, how effective he is, I think is going to determine how effective they are in this series. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. Uh, woo. 
man, it's going to be fun. Last thing, we we talked on this before the show. Before we, we the last matchup, I want to be talk to you about is so no Giannis for the at least game one. Maybe you know he may, maybe he may has a breakthrough overnight. We don't know. Um, how do you see Middleton as a number one guy handling McHale and Crowder? You know the bodies they'll, they'll be able to. That's probably the main two he'll see as long as Giannis isn't, isn't able to return. So how do you how do you see that working? Yeah, I mean for um, for me it's just you know that it's going to challenge you know Middleton stardom. I think I think that's going to re- what, what you're really going to see how much of a star is, is Chris Middleton because you know they're going to put great defenders on him. Uh, they're going to make him have to um, they're going to make him have to to work on, on you know on the on the offensive end and he's going to have to try and guard so. You know, <laughs> this, this is what they. This is where you make. You know, this is where you make your legacies. Where you make your name for yourself. This is where you sh- where you show everybody that you know I'm that type of player who I can show up in big moments. So this that's this is gonna be Milton's like, you know, chance again. You know, he he did it when he closes out the Hawks without Giannis. Uh, it's gonna be another opportunity here to to steal a, a game or two before Giannis comes back to show everybody that hey, I'm a true number two. I think that's what he's been trying to show this whole playoffs. Yeah, that's uh, it's a lot on his shoulders. Like when you look at it, um, you know, I, I thought the way Milwaukee was structured was perfect. Where Giannis has the guy, and then Middleton, and then having Drew as a maybe an underrated third option, mm-hmm. opposed to a two. And now that they critted Middleton and Drew have been bumped up to to one and two, I think that's interesting to watch. You know, Phoenix is a is a good defensive team. Monty's a good coach. So it's exciting, man. Like I'm, I realize I still haven't picked yet. Um, but yeah, man. If Giannis plays, I'm gonna lean with you and go, and go Bucks and seven. And that's what uh, I think. I there it is. It's on wax. Bucks and seven. So that's 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 what I have as well. I have yeah. Bucks and seven. So we spoke on this briefly in, in on on the live Twitter spaces. You know, it doesn't record, but in your opinion. You know, looking at two guys who's, you know, for namesake wise, you know, have different agendas about them. They're at different stages in their career. Booker been in hell pretty much before, you know, this past season. So, you know, James Jones, shout out GM of the year. Um, what does a championship do for Devin Booker and Chris Paul at their respective ages to you? Like Chris Paul for his legacy and Book as far as changing the narrative about what he was viewed, and we we both seen, you know, the doesn't help winning, you know, inefficient chugger, blah blah blah. What does the championship do for both of those guys? Well, if it's gonna help Chris Paul and his legacy all time, it has to by default help Booker's uh, talks. You know, what I mean, you can't um, every every title when you look back on it has an injury uh, plot line right. to it. Um, you know, obviously it's more to stars in this year. Than in you know other years is abnormal, but that's part like again it's part of the game, man. Like at the end of the day, what like like you can't turn it off. So I mean, what are we really debating here? Like <laughs> oh, if they didn't get injured, well, if basketball wasn't a contact sport, they wouldn't be injured. But that's that's not how it works. You know what I mean? Like none of this stuff is how it works. So I, it's just no point debating that. At the end of the day, he showed that he could be available, stay healthy, and when the opportunity presented itself, he could win. You know what I mean? Like you know, Luca was up 2-0. 
with his team shooting hot and couldn't close the deal because he because he was t- tired fatigue. Uh, you know, Chris Paul wasn't there for the Suns the first two games when they were playing a strong, hot uh, Clippers team. It was Book and eight, and they won both of them. You know what I mean? Right. So they've done, and Book had a forty point triple double game one to to win that one. So they've they've done their job. You know what I mean? They've done their job. Book's done his job. He'll be looked at as a winning player. He'll be looked at as a top fifteen player in the NBA. Uh, you know, definitely a guy that you can win a championship with basically, you know what I mean? You can argue whether he could be a real number one or not, but he'll definitely show that he can be a championship too, you know, like a Kyrie at, at the minimum, you know what I'm saying? And he's very young. So he'll just, I think this will do a lot of good for him. Uh, he'll, he'll get him into the, you know, the Kyrie type of levels in the NBA where he's a champion. He can perform at the highest level. Right, right. And then for Chris Paul, you already know. We already know what he's going to do for him. I mean, that's all, the table's already been set for that one, so there's no need to really get into that. <laughs> oh, man. I'm not going to do it. I'm be, I'm, this is a positive podcast. I'm not going to, you know, because I'm giving Chris Paul his love, man. You know, if he leads the way, you know, if he wins that finals MVP, that's, I mean, that's the cherry on top for his resume as far as everything he's done statistically and accomplishment-wise. At that point, you really got no choice but to give it up as far as, you know, accolades go. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, yeah, man, I think we covered this thing, you know, top to bottom. We have our, you know, predictions. I'm looking forward to, to seeing this thing tomorrow. Um, you know, a, a lot of people feel like the injuries have, you know, sucked something out of the playoffs for them. For me, like, it, it, you know, obviously it's bad. You want to see, you know, the top-end talent, you know, compete at the highest level. But at the other end, you know – it's given an opportunity for some other guys to rise to the cream of the crop. So, you know, I look at it as a glass half full situation of somebody who loves basketball and just was going to watch regardless. So, you know, I look at it from that way. So how, how does the, you know, there's a hall of fame, you know, list of injuries, the list full of hall of famers with injuries that probably shifted the playoffs. So where are you with that and how that possibly affected, you know, what we saw? I mean, what I, I looked at some of the recent ratings I looked at, it was pretty similar to when, uh, I think 2019 or whatever, to when Curry was there uh, with the ratings, you know, in terms of the games watched, especially for the Clippers Sun series. So, um, and and that was with Kawhi gone, you know, no CP3 for a good amount of that. And even for the Bucks Hawks, uh, right. you know what I mean? It was some good, it was some good rating games, like the highest since, you know, since pre-COVID. And those were had, you know, again, they had the Golden State KD Warriors, so I think I think it's interesting because the media covers the product awfully, but I think <laughs> bas- basketball has has a real has a real struck real goal with these young group of stars. Um, uh, you know, there wasn't much there wasn't much um, star type of personalities with the AD bunch. You know, the ADs, right. the George, the Kawhis. Um, the Kyrie's, uh, you know, the Harden's. The I mean, Harden's kind of more KD era and LeBron and Westbrook. But the yeah, the the you know the Kyrie, the eighties, the Giannis, the uh, the Embiid's. You know, those type those type that type of class. You know, was more is more of like a a bridge a bridge star class from the old guard, which is KD, Steph. You know, Harden, Bron, Westbrook, to then the uh, the young guard, which is Luca, Book, um, Tatum, Zion. You know, Trey. Uh, I think the the league has caught goal with this transition right. group being in their prime, being great players, and then the young stars having 
marketability. So they have the talent of established stars who are in their prime, and then they have the marketability of young stars to build a future with. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, people are interested in these guys. You know, right. people are interested in these players. It's up to the league now to actually market it appropriately. Uh, they're still hung up on the aura of LeBron and the Heatles. They won't let the LeBron uh, <laughs> thing end gracefully. They still want to milk that for all it's worth. And then, uh, you know, they still want to milk the the negative reactions from the uh, ruined the league warriors. You know what I mean? <laughs> they still want to milk the KD super team uh, narratives. You know what I'm saying? It, it's just they still want to keep using the same old narratives because it, it was, I get it, it was tried and successful in generating money and clicks, but it didn't grow the game. They didn't grow the game. I think they generated they they maximized the profit margins a lot with that era but it didn't grow the game the way lebron went to going to the heat did that obviously got them to a new era of like you know stars star power teams of player movement um, they need to grow the game with i think the young talent and try to push homegrown stars i, I could see trey staying you know what i mean giannis stayed he going to the finals books probably going to stay uh, you know, possible that Mark Cuban is going to do everything to keep Luke in. So they got to find a way to make every market relevant. You know what I'm saying? Because you're going to, I think you're going to see a lot of stars stay on their teams and try to win with on their teams. Um, and because, you know, guys are coming in ready to win right away. And teams are seeing that once they get a superstar, they're trying to put a team to win right away. I don't see guys leaving for rings until they exhausted all options. Right, 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 teams anymore, because uh, I think teams are doing a great job of saying, "Hey, we got a competitive team. Let's win right now." You even got teams like Cleveland trying to say, "Man, we're tired of losing. Like, let's try and feel the playoff team." You know what I mean? So, right. yeah, I think, and I think also like on top of everything you just said about having a cold crop of new stars that are fun to watch and people will tune into, they also got better at tracking the eyes beyond cable. So I'm no, they're getting a little better at tracking the streaming. Numbers. Yeah. So, like, for as far as the ratings were down, they were having a hard time gathering the data for, you know, people on apps, you know, like YouTube TV or Hulu Live TVs. Like, it's hard to track and add that into the cable numbers. So, I think that's also, you know, they're showing some growth as far as the technology goes too. So they're getting a more accurate depiction of, you know, of a growing fan base. So I, I add that to what you just said. So, yeah, man. It's, just, it's a new era. It truly is. Um, you know, but LeBron got one more in him. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, he, he was still playing at a high level before the injury, but, uh, you know, it's about staying healthy. Right. That's, uh, yep. Colin, Colin Cowher had a, had a great diatribe, diatribe or no, monologue, every, you know, whatever you call it. He had, he had one of those where he talked about how these injuries, like, you know, like 80 – that's a guy who obviously has injury history. Bron's getting old. You know, Kawhi, he always has an injury history. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, they, you have the, uh, the the Suns being in the in the finals. I mean, they're the two seed. You know what I mean? They're a right. top team all year. Milwaukee was a contender all year. They have Giannis, two-time piece. So it's like, you know, you talk about injuries and whatnot. You know what I mean? But it's like, at the end of the day, like, what can you say? Like, we know Kawhi is always injury prone. 
And, and you know, I, I, yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. the Suns would be able in the regular season. The Suns were seventeen and seven against the teams in top ten net rating. So it's not like they didn't have a chance to get to this point. So I'll, I'll throw that out yeah. there. Somebody yeah, put that stat up there today. If you want to judge it off, well, if this guy was there, they would have easily won. Blah blah blah. Like okay, but at the end of the day, they weren't there. And, <laughs> right. You know I mean? They they weren't there, and the and the team that was good all year win the finals. Like that's not. And they, I'm not going to be like the two seed in the West didn't deserve to win an NBA championship. Right, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> or the Milwaukee Bucks with Giannis, two-time MVP defensive player, you're one of the top teams in the NBA, didn't deserve to win an NBA championship. Right. Next topic. Right. All right, so normally, you know, this is usually, you know, uh, NBA, heavy NBA uh, pro level talk about this, uh, what we do in the pod here, but Something I think that really has a domino effect potentially on, on the sport is, you know, the NCAA under pressure from Congress. And really, I think what I think they were feeling the heat from the uh, NBA, that G League. Yeah, literally, that's what I thought of. <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, how does the NIL affect that? Because right. that was really about to hurt. Right. So the they, 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 they allowed the, the, the NIL name, image, and likeness, uh, you know, went to effect. This past week, people are, you know, all student athletes, NCAA level, are allowed to monetize their name, image, or likeness, seeing major deals. Uh, wildest one I can think of, uh, Master P's son, Hersey Miller, is at Tennessee State, signed a two-mil deal um, with some tech company. So I thought that was wild to me. And I'm thinking at Tennessee State, at that two-mil deal, is probably more than the entire athletic department's budget. Like that was wild to me. I did this at a school like Tennessee State. Like that's wild to me. But it's like, I think we both, I think we've had segments on here where we've pretty much complained about, you know, free labor of these athletes. We were talking earlier this season. So I think we both feel the same way that this is long overdue. Like I get the thing about guys, you know, not working in Asian representation, but not allowing these kids to monetize, uh, you know, off themselves, especially ones who come from maybe, you know, a poor background, don't have as much going for them to allow them to make a decent living and still, you know, pursue their dreams of being a, a professional athlete. I think it's going to do two things. One, if kids are on the fence about staying, they may, if they're cashing in, uh, getting, yeah. they may, it's like, Hey, maybe I can get another extra year to develop and not sit on the bench somewhere or two years as a rookie because I'm fine financially and they can take that yeah. and have that cushion to, possibly, you know, withstand staying another year. Um, that's the main thing. And then uh, two, for me, I think just going against the G League, the NCAA was in was in danger of losing a lot of high-quality players who were going to take oh, that yeah. 500. Like, that was like that was becoming a real – like, the names that were considering not going to college, if you look at the top 10, top 15 list of college players, guys that actually moved the needle – like that was going to be a big issue in the next couple of years. So I think the NCAA had to react from that standpoint to, you know, kind of keep itself above water. So where are you with this whole thing? Go ahead, take it away. I think it it it, it opened up a whole new market, man. Um, for for a lot of different areas, um, you know, universities are a hotbed of a of a lot of uh, new new ideas. Right. From like organizing, from student protesting, from, um, you know, from uh, 
just you know new startup ideas from young folks who have, who are trying to change society and for them to be on campus and to be able to convene with folks that now have steady revenues who are who are popular or who for guys who come from inner community inner cities who feel passionate about certain issues to now have money coming to them to be part of stuff to be a part of it young um before you get you know you get you get the you know the pro aspect from ownership and then you have other people changing how you navigate because you want to be professional um you know you have that aspect you have the aspect of guys are now going to try and stay in college longer right um, i think if you if you know what i mean like a lot of people were just would weigh the cost and benefits of you know staying in college like I may not have a chance to make the NBA or to be get good PT, but I'm gonna be getting paid if I get on the roster. Like that was always a better thing than staying and playing for free. But guess what? Now if it's like, hey, I can stay, I can develop more, I can get a higher pick and be a better player coming in. And yes. get paid. It's like, bro, like it's changing, change it's gonna change a lot. It's also gonna introduce a new can of worms when you have guys on 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 the, on the you know, people talk about Oh, it's a culture problem for the coaching. I mean, I don't care about culture. I want guys to get paid. But it is going to bring new challenges, though, when you got young millionaires now in your locker room. Um, that's going to bring a, a new interesting uh, predicament for coaching. Um, can you – I mean, it's a lot of – I mean, a lot of, the, you know, the name, image, and likeness is going to be tied to, you know, the players – Again, PT. So coaches, I know, are going to use that against players. But also, <laughs> we, know how the, we know how the transfer portal works. So if you're a fun player and your coach hating, they're going to hit that transfer portal. So it's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be interesting. I think you're going to see a lot more transfer portals as well. If you guys aren't getting enough PT to maximize their their earning potential for NIL and for the league, they out of they're going to be out of their school. They're going to look for the next school where they can you know get what, that at. And that, that doesn't bother me because as soon as a coach right. in a school gets another offer, he leaves. Absolutely. So, like, that Absolutely. doesn't bother me at all. Like, that, the game no. is the game, in my opinion. So. It, it don't. It don't. I'm, just, I'm just letting folks know, like, right, right, right. to see a lot of that, a lot of coaches, you know, trying to, you know, control players and their PT <laughs> and control that so that they can bring down the NIL value, you know what I mean, so they can get keep guys in their control. It's going to be an interesting power battle. Uh, in the league now, in the in NCAA, where now you have these young kids, they the millionaires just like they coaches. You know what I mean? Right. Like so, it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very interesting. Yeah, I agree. Because a, a a big issue with the college coach, right, in, is about the the control you have on all these guys because they're not they're not making money yet, right? It's that threat of you got to do it this way or you ain't gonna make it. You know what I'm saying? So I agree 100 percent what you said. There's always that always been that aspect of. You know, you you're not making money yet, so that's 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 a great point you brought yep. up. So that's be something interesting, something far far overdue. Shout out these players who fall for on the front lines. Uh, free Reggie Bush, man. Free Reggie Bush, man. Give him all the stuff back. Uh, give him the Heisman back. Reinstate his records. We need that ASAP. Um, yeah, man. It's 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 a, it's a fun time and uh, get your money, man. All you young student athletes, man, get your money. Just maximize yourself, man. Look, I, look, look JP, your JP just post tweeted some uh too like uh you know 
a lot of schools, a lot of kids' school choices will be determined by the companies they can sign deals with. So you can be seeing a lot of partnerships with schools and, and certain companies, and that's going to be used as recruiting tools to say, hey, if you sign with us, you can get a deal with, you know, so-and-so. Yeah, I saw somebody complaining. It was like, oh, you know, what well, these companies are just going to, you know, you know, you know, change their change their budget for advertising to go away from schools and towards the players. And I was like, okay, that's a problem. <laughs> like, what you, like, okay, cool, good. So, so, so basically, instead of the school using it to pay uh, certain people that have that don't actually make the revenue for the game, right? And, and, then, and then and then and then like bribe the kids with these extra perks that they get from the revenue, they could just use a company and, and send the revenue directly to the kids. Right, so, right. So, so I was like, yeah, uh, so this, that, that's that's nothing to talk about at all. The middle man. Just cut the middleman out. Right. Last thing before we get out of here, uh, Olympic roster dropped. Um, we started to see some play already. Wanted to touch base on that. Um, I watched a couple of the games. Man, it's weird to me because, you know, Canada has nine NBA players on their roster, and they just didn't qualify for the Olympics, mm-hmm. and you take a team like Slovenia, Luka, uh, Luka Nogic, he's the only NBA, current NBA guy on the squad, and he took them to the playoffs. Like, FIBA ball is so weird like that. Yeah. So I'm interested. Um, obviously, United States, with the just sheer amount of physical physical talent, uh, they're the heavy favorite once again. Um, what are you looking for, like, in these in this Olympics? Like, it'll be shortened, it'll be kind of rushed together. Like, uh, obviously, you know, Middleton and Book are in the finals. They'll rush right over as soon as uh, the finals are over. They'll probably get like a week off probably and head to, you know, camp or whatever. Um, what do you look for? Like, I just like to watch, uh, for me, I like watching other countries who have former players, maybe who did play with overseas, seeing how they play. I like watching, uh, I think overseas play is it's more physical to me, like as far as on the interior. Yeah, and, the rules is different. Yeah, yeah the rules it's a little more physical, so it's kind of fun to watch from from that aspect. What, what are you looking for uh, watching these Olympics? Just what do you watch for? I'm I'm gonna be looking for uh, cohesion. Um, cohesion is gonna be a big factor. I think a lot of what guys, a lot of the thing with the, a lot of NBA guys is one when they're on the NBA teams, they have specific roles. Right. But when they come to their uh, like like in, like if they go to their um, their net, their national team, they're asked to play a step above that role, but they're doing it against professional guys, not against you know going to like the you know the rec league or something, where against <laughs> right. and, and playing them, and then like just running it up on them. It's like you have to play above your role you normally do in the NBA, but you have to do it against other pros, so it's a challenge. And then you also have to do it with a different a set of rules. Uh, FIBA is really, really, re- it's, a, it's really geared towards a lot of X's and O's. From the coaching standpoint, um, like you said, more physical. So you know it's not as, it's not as free flowing up and down in terms of uh, the NBA transition three point shooting game. FIBA is definitely more encourages more of a half court sets type of uh, type of offense. At least from what I you know from what I've seen, even you know back in the in the in the, in the days of eight, you know in the mid in the in the tens, like that's why you see Luca play off ball too you know, in FIBA, because it's the ways, you know, I mean, obviously he wants to, he wants to stay healthy, but also the way FIBA set up, you know, to get easy offense requires a lot of ball movement, you know, a lot of, you know, misdirection type of, type of passing. 
uh, to try and get people in space and get people moving to generate pace because it's really geared towards half court and being physical. And that's why I can, I'm concerned with the U.S. team. Are you concerned? I'm concerned if they don't take it if they take it lightly because I'm looking at their front court very thin. Yeah, that's the that's the part of the roster that where there are some big bruising teams in the especially in the medal rounds. And that's why I'm very concerned because you know they don't have any defensive stalwarts on the on the. I mean, in the front court they do, but like on the wings, you know, like you know what I mean it's like there's nobody on Team USA from a defensive standpoint that's going to give Luca any problems. You know what I'm saying? And if Slovenia starts to get physical and, and, you know, starts to make it a physical game, they can keep, they can stay in the game and have, you know, make it a game that Luca can try and win at the end. Um, yeah, on the wings, I think the best defenders are probably going to be, you know, Tatum. Grant, Grant and Tatum, right? Yeah. The best you, know I mean? you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, they're very, they're thin, man. They're thin when it comes to physicality. Um, but the, the talent, there's a talent and shooting advantage, obviously, that goes strictly to USA, which is why they're the heavy favorite. But again, it's FIBA, it's a different set of rules, man. Even as good as the OA team was, that gold medal game was still competitive. Man, I miss, yes. And that's so a great, okay. that's a, you know what I mean? and that's a great, great segue. I think the highlights, I think the anniversary of that game just passed, we saw all the highlights of, that was, of Kobe, the, that late in that 08 gold medal game. Yep. That was crazy. Uh, just that whole run, man. And Claudius is kept, you know, you see all the Kobe and LeBron highlights. The, the, the best, the guy who played the best on that team was D, was D Wade, if you look at That's it. What I'm saying. I, no, I, the Wade highlights stand out to me out of everybody, right. honestly. Right. That's he was, what, a, he was incredible. That's what I, that's the way, that's why when people talk about Harden, I always laugh. I'm like, man, yeah. just go back and watch those 08 Olympics, man. D-Wade was a tear on both yeah. hands. Him, right. Wade, him, Wade, Brown, and, and Kobe, man, Ooh, they they put up a highlight reel in the whole, yeah. the whole Olympics. And that was, um, and, and obviously that got us, we were doing the, the pre-show, talking about what we want to talk about aside from the finals, and you, and you brought this up, which I thought was, was fun. Um, so looking back at the Olympic teams, um, it's always good. It's always for me, like 92, you know, from as I was a kid. So the nostalgia is always going to be there, but you go back and look, you know, Larry's back was cooked. Magic was actually off because of the, his HIV situation. They didn't know what was the fallout from that, you know? So looking back historically about which teams are the greatest, um, I lean 08. A lot of people say 2012, I lean 08 because you had, uh, you know, LeBron, 23, Melo, 23, Wade, 26. It's like those guys are in their physical, you know, physical peak. Um, Kobe's at his height of his powers at age 29. Like it's a, man, that was just a special moment. Um, or hey, Kobe's like low 30s, I think, to, to 08, 96. Yeah, 08, 30, 29, 30 years old. Yeah, so 30. where, as far as Olympic teams go, you got 20, 2008 or 2012? No, I, uh, I I used to go 2012. I think it depends on the rules. I think 2000. I see why people go 2012 because 2012 was more uh, was more suited for pace and space. Uh, definitely, you know, it, in the in the 2012 theme with you know the with the way that the introduction of the shooting. You know, you had KD, you had Bron, who was still young. You had old Kobe, but Bron, KD, Mel were in their primes. Uh, you had you had Harden, I believe, was on that team. Was Curry on that team as well? I can't remember. I know AD 
80 rookie. 80 Curry, I'm looking at it right. Curry's now on the team. It's Tyson Chandler, KD, LeBron, Westbrook, D. Will, Iguodala, Kobe, Kevin Love, James Harden, Chris Paul, AD, and Melo. They have good spacing, but honestly, if you look at the OA roster, OA had what more talent, especially on the front court. Uh, the front court, I think, was definitely what made 08. Uh, you know, what I think it was people people see Dwight Howard and don't realize which Dwight Howard it was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you also had Chris Bosch if you wanted to stretch. Right, yeah, the floor. yeah, yeah. I was like, no, but people see Dwight Howard and think it's that guy in the Philly uniform. Like, no, it's not. It's probably like the the best defender of like a, when he was at his height of his powers. Nobody was really messing with him interior defensively, and he was around the rim finishing everything. So yeah, right. I, I agree. You yeah, I mean, to... so you, know, you look at that. You had you had the old vet Jason Kidd. You had you had young D Will. You know the the Utah Jazz D Will. You had you had you know the Michael Red, who everyone talked about. Michael Red was a bucket right on the Milwaukee Bucks. He was there. Twenty eighth, Wade, Kobe, Bosh, Chris Paul, Carmelo, and then you had Tayshawn Prince, one of the best perimeter defenders that we've seen in our era. So great team. I think the, I think I think from a half court standpoint, defensively and offensively, I like 08, just more physical. I think 08 suits more FIBA ball. I think 2012 suits more the NBA uh, type of type of basketball. Like if you were to play NBA rules, I think I would see why you go with 2012. But I think for FIBA, I think 2008 was more dominant for a FIBA setting. That's a great distinction. I think that I think it's accurate too. I think that just those. You look at these big, those big, especially the, the European teams. If you look at the roster, they have these big bruising front courts and try like to punish you inside to control the tempo. So I'm interested to see how the U.S. team kind of handles that in the Olympics. So that should be fun to watch. I can't, you know, I can't wait to see it. I, I was kind of disappointed, Ken. I mean, you think a team with nine NBA players, man, would, would make the make the Olympics, man, but. Dude, they you, can't just, you can't just throw NBA talent at, at these leagues. A lot of these leagues have good professional players um, that are good pros. You know what? The, what? the one game I watched start to finish, that Italy game where Nico Mannion had 25, but I was like, hey, the rest of this team was kind of nice. But, you know, Nico Mannion was the pro guy, so he was the guy. But their surrounding talent wasn't bad. You know, they won and clinched a spot in the Olympics, you know, where they won. So I agree with your point there. I mean, it's a lot of high level, like maybe – I'm not in the NBA, but I'm a step below. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, exactly. So you, you know, you're not just about to put nine makeshift NBA guys who have specific roles in the NBA team and think they're about to just come to the Olympics and start running guys off. That's <laughs> not gonna happen. All right, y'all. We just want to tap in on the Olympic side of things. That should be interesting to watch. Um, NBA finals. We're going to be on spaces ever after every game. It should be fun uh, breaking down what we see, what's going on with the finals. Uh, follow its Kingsbrud's Twitter at his Kingsbrud myself, JJ Mabel's 55 underscore MST. Uh, follow, subscribe with the pod again. Thank you for all the love you guys have been showing it. We got something big coming up. Stay tuned. Uh, we're gonna let y'all know what's going on with that. Um, tap in with us on the timeline. We are out of here. Peace, y'all.